Mythids. Uh, welcome to Mythids, where we talk about monsters, mythids, and cryptids. Nope. Monsters, mythology, and cryptids. (laughs) Mythids is the name of the show. Um, so, my name is Brooke. My name is Alyssa. And, uh, I think we have some pretty interesting- actually, I don't know what Alyssa's talking about. So do you, um, how about you go first, since I went first last time? Okay. Oh god, my voice just cracked horribly there. That's okay. I was <laughs> I was recording uh, the episode that went up yesterday, and the hey guys at the fr- at the start of it is the worst sounding thing in the world, and I couldn't <laughs> fix it. The rest of it was fine, but that one part, I was like, oh, this causes me pain. Oh well. And up onto the internet it went. Oh. It's fine. Real quick, before we get started... Happy birthday, Alyssa! Uh, Thank you! It's going to be almost a week later for you guys listening, because uh, we record on Saturday and then post Friday so that I have time to edit. But um, it's this big old Goofus's birthday. I am so impossibly old, I now know what cellular decay feels like. <laughs> okay, so how about you get going? Okay, with your so, boy. As a, I don't want to say an expert because I'm not by any means an expert, but as someone who is avidly passionate about classical mythology, um, I have chosen to do the Minotaur because I feel it's a solid myth. Everybody's familiar with it or at least has heard of it, but maybe not in depth or hasn't really looked at it. So the Minotaur is a creature that has the head and tail of a bull and the body of the man. Uh, the name itself sound. derives from the Greek word uh, Minotaurus, which means the bull of Minos. And the term Minotaur was actually a reference to describe a specific person, Asterian. That's when you're talking about the myth or you're talking about the Minotaur, you're actually talking about him. So you might be wondering, how exactly does a creature get born with the head and tail of a bull and the I body of a man. I tragically know the answer to this. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> it's not a good answer. It's as not a great a lot one. Of things are in Grecian mythology. So buckle up. So the island of Crete, uh, there's a whole bunch of brothers that want the throne. And Minos, who eventually becomes king, prays to Poseidon and goes, hey, Give me a sign here. Show me you're going to back me up that I want this throne and you're, we're in it together. Besides, like, okay, uh, I'm going to send you a snow white bull. But here's the one condition. You got to kill it afterwards because you sacrificed bulls or you sacrificed cows to the gods. And, you know, you got to pay tribute to a god that supports you. Okay. And just go, sure. All right. And Minos, after seeing this really gorgeous snow white bull, goes, I'm just going to sacrifice a different one and keep this, this one because it's so nice dumbass. to look at. Poseidon will never know. Yo, he will. Which, is the thing. <laughs> I feel like the like vast majority of problems in Greek mythology can be rooted down to two things. Either prophecies that people try to avoid or fucking over the gods. Or, and, or, or the gods being horny messes. 
I mean, yes, also but I mean, a lot of problems. <laughs> for sure. Most of that, Zeus. Um, <laughs> looking at you, you absolute horny bastard. <laughs> but, like, in terms of humans causing problems upon themselves, like, the gods are a whole. I'm not going to say the gods are not involved in this because they sure are, and they sure did a lot of things wrong. Um, but in terms of humanity fucking itself over. Maybe don't try to get one over on the gods, because it doesn't work well. So in this aspect, Poseidon is not super happy that his bull that he sent was not killed. So he made Minos' wife fall in love with it, and then she, in turn, made uh, Daedalus, yeah, that one, uh, carve a hollow wooden bull so she could climb inside it and, um, and get fucked. Consummate uh, the, the love. I hate this. It's this is deeply the worst. terrible. This is yeah, the absolute no. worst thing. Okay. Don't think about it. I'm just going to press on so we don't have to think about it. So the Minotaur was born. Um, and they... <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Anyways, on that note, um, the Minotaur was born and they tried to care for him to, you know, help him. It's their son, essentially. So... But the problem is he's still half quote-unquote beast, so he grew ferocious and, like, violent. And here's where I have some issues with the myth. They are yeah. quoted oh, as- wait, oh, this is where the issues come in, okay. huh? This is where logistical issues. Everyone, Alyssa is going on record and saying, up till this point, the myth was totally fine and she loved it, but here's well, where the <laughs> issues start. Oh, hold on, I didn't quite say that. That was not, that was not the intended meaning from the words that left my mouth. I just meant in terms of logistical wording, we're gonna ignore everything that came before this and look at it in the here and now and the present because I like to move on in life. Okay. But anyway, they're like, oh, there's no natural food source for this inhuman beastly creature so he's eating humans which i'm sorry he's a bull the bulls as far as i know are not carnivorous they sure aren't so like maybe this guy should have a few like ethical morality qualms about being like a vegan or some shit but i like like listen 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 cows humans Similar enough diets. Like, sure, they eat grass and humans don't eat grass, but it's still the concept of green food. So I feel like the fact I would actually argue that if he was gonna get people eating from either side of that genealogy, it's probably the human one. (laughs) You would think that, wouldn't you? (laughs) But I guess not. Okay. So anyway, uh, Minos goes to the Oracle at Delphi, like, help me, he's eating people, what do I do? What the fuck do I do with this? (laughs) What do I do with this? And the Oracle at Delphi is like, okay, so you have to build this huge labyrinth, and you're going to put him in the center, and then he can never find his way out, and he'll be safe, and he's not going to eat people. And uh, King Minos goes, okay, so Daedalus (laughs) then creates creates what what i'm just laughing at she's like okay so here's what you gotta do this absolutely buck wild thing don't like build a prison 
or build like and no it's gotta be a fucking maze that has a way out but he's not gonna find it and it's gotta be huge and he's just like all right great let's do it <laughs> yeah like I, I mean, I guess putting your son in prison is kind of hard. Putting him in an inescapable maze is better? <laughs> I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying I'm not an oracle. I don't also, know what options. Also, I am going to point out, this is not his son. And I suspect he's probably figured that out by now. I mean, I know that, but, like, you raise the kid long enough or, like, your wife raises this kid? Like, I don't know. <sighs> Okay, I don't fine. know. It's not clear on anyone's feelings also, towards the Also, I thought Minotaur. the Oracle of Delphi was the one that no one ever believed. Or was that a different one? That's Cassandra. Oh, that's Cassandra. That's right. Okay. Forget I said anything. Keep going. Okay. So he goes in the, uh, the center of the labyrinth and it's like, awesome, now he's not going to eat people. Only Minos can be said on the record is an asshole. So his son dies. Um... And he wages war to avenge him. There's some varying accounts as to how exactly Minos' son died. Um, sometimes it's, oh, the Athenians were jealous. He won in, like, the Pan-Athenian contest, which is not like the Olympics, but it's like a smaller, like, grouping of games. And it's like, oh, no, we're jealous he won. We're going to kill him. Um, others, which I think is more fun for drama, say he died at Marathon to the white bull that <laughs> his mom was so fond of. Um, the king of Athens was like, no, we still haven't killed this thing. You gotta go kill it. And Minos' son is like, alright, I'll go do it. And then he died to it. So either way, uh, Minos demands seven maidens and seven youths be sacrificed to the Minotaur in the labyrinth every seven or nine years. Though I think one particular dictionary said it was every year, but more or less... 14 people got to be sacrificed to this minotaur in the labyrinth. So after the third time they were supposed to send sacrifices, uh, the hero Theseus was like, no, this is enough. This absolutely has to stop. We're, we're putting full no. So he goes to the labyrinth uh, and asks Ariadne, how do I get through this to kill the minotaur? And she goes to Daedalus and is like, can you tell me the secret of the labyrinth? And this is where I get angry. Once again, everyone, stop <laughs> the part that no. really upsets Alyssa about this. She's totally happy with every part leading up to it. That's the bullfucking was great in her book. She loved that part. Uh, but this part's not, a bit challenging. <laughs> those are not the words that leave my mouth. Why do you do this? <laughs> because you keep wording it like, and anyway, this is the bad part, guys. <laughs> So that's what Alyssa thinks on the matter, everyone. That's not what I think on the matter. This is just a point that people over... Listen, no one likes that part. No one likes it. I shouldn't have to say it. That's it's a cold implied take. Everyone has had the take that that's a bad part. Yes. It's implied in its existence. This, however, is not something people talk about, and I'm mad that we don't talk about it. So here it is. Dennis is this master architect, right? Like, yes. he created this whole labyrinth. No one can ever get to the center. No one can find their way out. Uh, Theseus has to use string to find his way back out. Would you like me to tell you the secret of this god-forsaken labyrinth? Would you like to know how you get to the center? I would love to. 
Here are Daedalus's instructions. Go forward. Always go down. Never go left. Never go right. What if you have to do one of those two things, though? Apparently it was just never a thing you needed to do. So what I'm hearing is that there is always a path to go straight. And these idiots, who had previously been through the labyrinth, there is a straight hallway to the center of the labyrinth, and everyone saw that and went, no, that's not the direction to go, we'll go the other way. I Apparently. Okay. Like, I can only assume it was a winding circle downwards, based on the logistics of it. I guess. But either way, walk forward in a straight line is the worst designed maze I have ever heard of in my entire life. Okay, maybe, okay, I, devil's advocate, maybe the, the reason it worked is, you know when you're filling out a Scantron, mm-hmm. and the answer has been A for the last six questions, so you're like, shit, it has to be B or C or D now. It's been A too many times. That's actually fair. That is the only valid like, defense so I will if the answer is just always keep going straight, people aren't going to keep doing that. They're going to be like, shit, I'm never going to get out if I do this. <laughs> this also begs the question as to why Theseus needed string to get out of it if he was yeah. just walking in a straight line. For some reason, I always thought it was like a magic labyrinth, and that's why the string was needed. But I mean, it could have been magic, I don't but know it was if that's created by a human. Said. Okay. Yeah, no. It was created by a human with no magical powers, so... Well, doubt. Okay. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. Um, Theseus makes it to... Everybody more or less knows this part. Theseus makes it to the center of the labyrinth. He kills the Minotaur. Yay. Hey. Hooray. Um, what's interesting is he actually appears in a story outside of this. Um, what? You can actually find the Minotaur in Dante's Inferno. Uh, when Dante is trying in Canto, trying to make his way to the seventh circle of hell, is the Minotaur just kicking it there? Their- is Minotaur huh? like a shopkeeper there or something? No, it's just like this collection of men damned for like their like excessive violence in life, and it's just like, oh shit, it's the Minotaur. <laughs> yeah, just- so by then that does classify the Minotaur as a man. To be clear. Uh, closer, I suppose. Okay. Fascinating. But okay. Uh, Just to more or less wrap this up, some things that I thought were interesting is that there's actually some grounds for this myth in real life. Like, you know how most times myths are used to explain I don't like that concept. Those words that just left your mouth are terrible, and I don't much like them. Okay, it's not as scary as you're thinking, and not in that way, but I'm just gonna... So, historically, there was a time period um, in ancient Greece where Crete was the most relevant, so in terms of politics and culture, they had the most sway. So because of this, likely Athens and other cities or polis around the area would have to send sacrifices. So in terms of, you know, like, sending sacrifices to the Minotaur, it's very likely that it would have happened. Not w- with the Minotaur, but it's very likely that ancient cities would have been sending sacrifices to pay tribute to Crete. There's okay. also a scientific explanation for this. So Again, uh, I don't think so, but okay. <laughs> Again, not in the way you're thinking, All right, good. but 
So a scientific uh, journalist, uh, Matt Kaplan, has suggested that it was an explanation to try and uh, reason geology at the time, which they've carbon dated and looked at marine fossils in the ocean around the area to the correct time period this would have been. And they found that the tectonic plates were highly active. Um, so one of the ancient poets describes uh, the Minotaur as bellowing constantly, like you can hear him underground in the labyrinth. But it's likely that the bellowing of the Minotaur was used as an explanation by the Minoans as a bellowing or the noise of an earthquake. Okay. Which doesn't really make sense, but I've never been in an earthquake, so I can't speak to the noise of earthquakes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I suppose. Okay, I, I am glad that that's where that went. I can accept that. Yes, no, it was not trying to logistically explain the union of bull and man. I was more so of, afraid. Hey, here's where the story of sacrifices were carried come from here's where they say you know like the noise of the minotaur it's all simple happy things thank god and uh yeah that's pretty much the minotaur for me so what do you have for us bro okay so i'm happy to see that we are both kind of on that greek mythology kick for this week um love it and more importantly we both have stories dealing with the birth of monsters interestingly enough Less love this. Yeah. <laughs> bad <Harry>. turn. Bad <laughs> and Alyssa's like, oh no, suddenly it's bad. So I am bringing um, a lady who might be a little bit less known in Greek mythology named Echidna. Uh, I'm, that is not in reference to the animal that actually exists and has a sonic character based off of it. Uh, Damn. I know, you're heartbreaking. Alyssa's sitting there like, oh yeah, Knuckles, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Knuckles versus the Minotaur, who would win? God. Absolutely not. Um, no, Echidna um, is... Uh, it was considered the mother of, of monsters in Greek mythology. Uh, she was a beautiful woman from the waist up, and a serpent from the waist down. Still beautiful. Still valid. Big fan of her whole look, honestly. <laughs> uh, she was described as, like, neither a mortal man nor an undying god. And that her human half was nymph-like and beautiful, but her serpent half was horrifying and huge and monstrous with, like speckly skin and all this um she oof y'all I was typing these notes up just now and so I'm gonna do my best to read them because I didn't proofread this shit um she's also described as her snake half uh being having a tendency to eat raw flesh uh which would suggest that the snake half actually has a snake head on the end of it Rather than, like, the snake tail that you would imagine for, with, like, a naga from Indian mythology. Instead, it's more of a human half from the waist up or on this side. But if you flip it around, it's also a snake half from the waist up on the other side, too. So does that make her feet heads? She doesn't have feet. Yeah, but She's got a snake tail. <laughs> but you just said the tail had a head on it. So yeah. where does the... Well, it, 
it's a long tail, so she still kind of can slither around, coil it up and all that, but then at the very end of it, where, like, the rattle on a rattlesnake would be, there's uh-huh. a snake head. That That's deeply terrible. Isn't it? I didn't know I that about her. That. I didn't know this about her. I always su- saw depictions of her as, as like, a naga, is always how I had seen Echidna depicted before. And I found out the reason for that is because we don't have any, there are no known lasting depictions from ancient Greece of Echidna. So the only images of Echidna that there are are ones that we have made since then. Um, which is why and we're just, I guess, bad at interpreting or bad I with guess. sculpturing. I only, I only saw the one where it was like, and by the way, we think that you probably had a snake at the end of her, of her tail also, not just the snake tail. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. Great. Let's keep going. <laughs> okay. Let's just um, see how many bits we can throw on there. Yeah. Which to be fair is kind of, first of all, is kind of a thing that a lot of Greek monsters have. There's just animal parts where there shouldn't be. Um, and I'll kind of dive into that a little bit later, but, um, it also kind of makes some of her kids make a little bit more sense. Uh, and again, I'll get into that. So, because she was kind of significant as, like, an origin point for a lot of monsters, uh, there's a lot of different, there's a few different accounts of her, and, uh, almost none of them match up perfectly (laughs) at all. Thanks. Great. According to Hesiod's Theogony, uh, she was born to the sea deities, Phorkis and Keto. Um, According to Polydorus, uh, her parents were Tartarus and Gaia. Um, Other accounts of her genealogy include that she was the daughter of just Phorkis, with no mom, or the daughter of Okeanid Styx who was the goddess of the river sticks? That's what it said. I'm going with my whatever. You're, no, you're valid. Uh, you so did the research. I did, and I'm glad we're acknowledging it. Finally, the credit <laughs> that I deserve. <laughs> um, so, uh, she was the wife of Typhon, uh, who you're much more likely to have heard of than Echidna. Um, he was a horrible monster with a hundred dragon heads who was defeated by Zeus and imprisoned in the underworld for being a little dick. Not a great I dude. I feel like Typhon's got a great aesthetic, though. Like, I understand why she was there for that. Also, it kind of balances out. Because my understanding is he's kind of got more like a human body, but then a hundred dragon heads. And she's got like... <laughs> The snake tail situation with a human <laughs> from the waist up. So really, so they were take, made for each other. So if you take half of Typhon and half of Echidna and switch their halves, you have a whole person and a whole dragon snake. <laughs> I was going to say, you wouldn't get a whole snake out of that. What you would get was it was like a ball of snakes, really. <laughs> Ideal. Hundred and one snakes. Hundred and one snakes. Remake. The better Disney yeah. Dalmatian movie. <laughs> Cruella Deville doesn't need a coat. She just needs some nice boots. <laughs> or a handbag. Or a handbag. 
said before, Echidna is considered the mother of monsters. Uh, her children are make up a lot of the very like powerful and important monsters of Greek mythology. And like her parentage, like her parentage, there is a lot of inconsistency on who her kids are. Um, and this I, happens a lot overall. Things will have like four different origin stories. A lot of monsters have at have at least one or two people who are like, "Yeah, this is Echidna and Typhon's kid," and then they will also have one other origin story that's completely unrelated to them. <laughs> love it. Gotta love it. So. Um, and, and her kids are really the legacy of Echidna. Uh, she doesn't have as much of, like, the big fight with a hero that a lot of other monsters have that make them well-known. She kind of just serves as an origin point for all of these other heroic battles. Uh, so some of her children... Um, I, I, I went with the ones that Apollodorus... Um, Hesiod... Hesiod? Yep. Hesiod? I was right the first time? Yep. Hey! You are right the first time. Heather's gonna be so proud when she listens to this. That's a joke. <laughs> I'm gonna get a bunch of angry texts. <laughs> I'm gonna get forwarded half of those for being like, you were supposed to be the expert, why didn't you correct them on this? Yeah! Um, and Hyginus? Hyginus? Sorry. H-Y-G-I-N-U-S? Logistically, that feels like it should be Hyginus, Hyginus. based on Great. how you pronounce things, so this but is... I'd have to see the Greek. Well, I don't have that for you. Sorry. Um, so based on what those three wrote, this is the list I compiled. Um, so there's Orthrus, who was a two-headed dog who guarded the cattle of Geryon, and was and was killed by Heracles. That, um, there's Cerberus, who was, I think, probably one of her most well-known kids. Uh, he's the three-headed dog who guarded the underworld and was captured at one point by Heracles, but not killed. Uh, you're gonna notice- he wanted a pet. <laughs> As we go through this list, you're gonna notice a pattern. Um, <laughs> there's the Lernian Hydra, another well-known one, who was a water monster who grew two new heads every time one was cut off. Uh, he was killed by Heracles- <laughs> There's the Chimera, who breathed fire and had the head of a lion, but also the head of a goat, and also the head of a dragon. But not the way you're imagining it. I think a lot of people imagine the Chimera as having, like, three heads at the front. Instead, the front, there's the head of a lion. And then coming out of its back, there's the head of a goat. And then coming off of its tail, there's the head of a dragon. I liked it better the way I imagined <laughs> that there were three heads all at the front. Yeah, right? Um, but this is one of the ones that depicting Echidna with having a snake head at the end of her tail does make this child make a lot more sense. Because they've kind of got a similar weird aesthetic going on with the snake tail with a head on it. It's interesting that some make no logistical sense as to monsters. Like, not that any of this makes sense, obviously. But it's like, okay, the Hydra, that's that's the dad's genes of the many dragon heads. Okay, this makes sense. There's a head on the tail. Like, if we're looking at genetics. Not that we're going to be looking at Grecian monster genetics. I just think oh God, did you that sometimes you know? it likes... 
Uh, yeah, but then we've also got the ones like Orthrus and Cerberus, who are both dogs with multiple heads. We don't know where the dog genes came from. <laughs> that makes sense. But it no did happen sense. twice, whatever it was. Um, also, in some myths, some of her other kids are also Orthrus's kids. Who, who is her son? <laughs> so. We're just, I don't want to think about yeah, that. That's a lot to unpack, so instead we're going to throw away the suitcase. <laughs> for the best. For the best. Um. So the chimera, uh, the many heads, uh, who could breathe fire, uh, she was killed by Bellerophon. I think that's also one of the ones that, like, has a specific gender. Like, I've never, I've never seen anything even, like, refer to the Hydra as being anything, but the chimera, they're like, we are pretty sure this is a lady monster. (laughs) Valid. So. I'm here for a lady She's out there, she's living her best life. Um... There's the Sphinx, which again, I think is a pretty well-known one. Obviously, I think the Egyptian Sphinxes are a bit more, you know, well-known because of the statues. But there was a Sphinx in Greek mythology. Uh, She had the head of a woman, the body of a lion, wings of an eagle. And she did the whole, like, riddle thing going on at at Thebes. Um, I mean, in the story of Oedipus... She commits suicide because he beats her. Um, there's actually but, some tellings where she eats herself. Yeah, like she. Yeah, there's some where she throws herself to her death, which wouldn't work. She's got wings, um, and other ones. <laughs> and A other bird where it's auto cannibalism. <laughs> so yeah, no, there's there's a there's a few endings to that one. My guess is that the one where she throws herself to her death is, like, the PG version. (laughs) The PG version. Also, the Sphinx's riddle haunts me because, you know, like, there's a second one that people don't talk about, like, the sister one. Mm -hmm. I am very dumb. I have spent a good portion of my time learning ancient Greek. Uh Uh-huh. The sisters that it talks about that are night and day. Real quick, um, because I realized a lot of people probably know the first riddle, which is, you know, what walks on four legs, then two legs, then three legs. Uh, The second riddle basically goes something like, there's two sisters, and then one sister gives birth to the other sister, and then that sister gives birth to the first sister. What are they? Uh, the The answer is night and day. Um, but Alyssa, you can keep going. Yeah, I was, like, two days ago years old when it occurred to me that the reason that they are most likely called sisters sisters is because night and day are both in feminine tense. Yeah! 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 Yeah. (laughs) That was, uh, something that had not previously occurred to me. Yeah. I'm proud of you, dude. You learned something. <laughs> Thank you. Which was is shameful because I know and can write both the words for night and day off the top of my head. But it's head. one of those things that just you never thought of, and that's okay. Um, continuing with the family tree, we've got the Nemean lion, whose golden fur was impenetrable by, like, any mortal sword. You couldn't cut it. Um, surprise, surprise. Was killed by Heracles. Again. Shocking. Uh, 
basically he he knocked him out, he beamed him on the head, and then strangled him to death, which is a horribly graphic way <laughs> to kill him. I mean, it's mild to a lot of things in Greek mythology, but yeah, it's That's not great. That's true, either. but there's something very like up close and personal because it takes a long time to strangle something. That's true. Like, a lot longer than I think people realize. But anyway, that's how he ends up doing it. Um, there's the Caucasian eagle, which is the eagle that tears out Prometheus's liver and then was killed by Heracles. <laughs> so essentially, Echidna's kids are just the 12 labors of Heracles. Honestly! If, for those of us who didn't the know. 12, the 12 labors of Heracles turns out, was actually just a hit list printed out of Echidna's children. Shit. They're just like, hey! And then this one, and, and then this, get one, this one. This one's got a lot it. of heads. <laughs> yeah! Oh, oh my god, it's... It's a whole thing. Um, then we've got Layden... Uh, who was the guard of the golden apples in the Garden of Hesperides. Uh, He was killed by Heracles. (laughs) More specifically, Heracles killed him. Then Jason found him, was like, oh, still twitching, and kind of killed him again. But the first strike was from Heracles. (laughs) Thanks, Jason. Way to add insult to injury. (laughs) Jason Jesus. just really wants to be included. <laughs> Honestly, and he should not be. <laughs> um, then we have, and I'm not going into super in-depth with any of these, just a brief overview to see kind of the spread of Echidna's significance, because uh, most of these will get their own episodes later on. There's a lot with all of them. Um, then we've got the... Cromionian sow, which is a mean wild pig that was killed by Theseus instead. Bit of a, you know, mixing things up a little. <laughs> uh, Gorgon, and I didn't know about this one because I think this one isn't really talked about it much. Um, in When Medusa is first introduced, it's before her origin story gets introduced. So at that point, she is the daughter of Gorgon, who is the daughter of Echidna. And again, you've kind of got that snake consistency thing going on. That would uh, That's actually a better origin story for Medusa than what she gets, honestly. I mean, yeah, but, you know. But we don't really have much info for Gorgon, other than she's just kind of this mm-hmm. placeholder figure, even more so than Echidna is. Um, then we've got the Colchian, the Colchian dragon, who guards the Golden Fleece, that one doesn't get killed. <laughs> that one just gets to pull a chariot, which is a nice change of pace. And uh, Skyla, who was one of the monsters guarding like that narrow pass of water and would capture sailors off passing boats and eat them. Yep. I Yeah. yeah. Um, she uh, also has a different indeed. origin story than the one given. She's got two origins. She's similar to a Medusa situation. Um... So those are her most significant children. They cover, honestly, most of the monsters of Greek mythology. (laughs) Um, I think what it is, is for a lot of it, a monster would be introduced, and if the origin story wasn't part of why the monster was introduced, they were just like, it's it's Echidna's kid. 
Kidna had another baby. <laughs> a kidna to come from here. A kidna child number 73. Which doesn't make sense if you look at a kidna myth, but I will get into that later, I promise you. I mean, she, again, Echidna only has so much myth of her own outside of the kids she has. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, it kind of just sums up to, she was born in a cave, and she lived in a cave for her entire life. We don't know if it was the same cave or not. I think probably yes, but who knows? <laughs> this is life goals, honestly. Get yourself a cave, <laughs> live in it. Stay in it. Have a whole bunch of monster children. And then there are worse ways to live. There are Uh, worse ways to live life. Yeah. They, a bunch of people have tried and figured out where this cave was supposed to be. Um, if you go on Wikipedia, they've got a good two to three paragraphs of just people being like, we think the cave might be over here. It also might be over here. Some people (laughs) think it's on the other side. (laughs) Um, I didn't want to bore you guys with that because it's a lot and the ending conclusion is that we're not sure. (laughs) So it's one of it's a cave somewhere for sure. There's for sure a cave. Um, So she used to just live in that cave and anyone who walked by the cave, she kind of grabbed for food. Uh, She was ageless. I mentioned before. She was not immortal, however. So basically what ends up happening, uh, in her sleep, she is killed by Argus Panoptes. Panoptes. Panoptes, uh, who is the hundred-eyed giant who serves Hyra. Hyra. Hera. I started saying Hydra, and then I was like, nope, wrong one. Uh, And that is the story of Echidna. I wanted to give some background on her on a pretty early episode. Uh, because she will be briefly mentioned in a lot of future episodes due to her 10,000 monster kids. Um, and I thought it might be nice for us to not have to dip into that's who Echidna is every time. So, big ol' snake lady, 10,000 children, may have slept with one of her sons. God, God, An God. overview. Um, anyway, moving forward... <laughs> Uh, the important context now is who would win in a fight and who's hotter. So let's this start is with where last week I feel like it was very much clean cut both ways. Mm-hmm. This one there will be a debate for both. <laughs> I feel like I, I I don't know like I feel like maybe I'm biased uh-huh. in one direction or another. But I feel anyway. Let's get into it. Let's start with <laughs> I guess a fight. Yeah, let's start with the fight. Um, so, so she does have a a huge snake that eats Uh flesh attached to her. Right. Okay. Just wanted to establish that. She also lived, she also lived in a cave her whole life, so she's not seeing a whole lot of combat. Counterpoint, the Minotaur is stuck in a fucking maze he can't get out of his whole life. The whole point. Of one of his greatest stories in myth is him fighting Theseus. They had to send a whole hero to go kill him because he they was They had a to send a monster. giant to kill her in her sleep because there was no other way to take her out. That they knew of, though. That was just Hera perceiving a threat. 
Had anybody else tried? I'm they willing to bet. Tell you, I'm willing to bet that's that that other people tried. I'm just saying, if your argument is this guy was so bad they had to send a hero to take him out, I'd say that this lady was so bad they had to send a hundred-eyed giant to kill her in her sleep is more significant. <laughs> Perhaps, but like the temperate, the temperance of the Minotaur, or like the temper, the temperament. That was the word I was looking for. The temperament. He's known for being violence. He's in hell for being violent. He's a raging beast. He's this, got, if you look at any depiction, he's got a sweet six pack. Is a mother who has had almost every child of hers brutally murdered. You want to talk about temperament? You want to talk about violence and anger and all of that? You really want to go there? <laughs> I'll give you that, but again, she's not in enough myths, so we don't actually know. Like, I'm just saying. If we're looking at a, a purely, like, conjecture standpoint, yes, that argument holds water, and yes, clearly she would, but also it's never explicitly stated. If we want to get on technicalities. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's walk through this fight. Let's kind of talk out how this fight would, would break down. Okay. We're going to have to assume that they are respectively taken out of their cave and labyrinth in order to fight. Assuming, yes. Right? Okay. So another important thing to keep in mind about Echidna, she is described as being huge and ginormous and monstrous, and the Minotaur is man-sized. Fuck, not the man-sized argument. The man-sized argument is back, and it's on my side this time. I guess Echidna does also have, like, the flesh-eating scales or some shit. Yeah, she does. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. So I think if we're between the bastard inhuman son of a king and the pissed off mommy monster who is also ginormous I think it's gonna go to her honestly if you have an argument for this (laughs) it's gonna say if you got an argument come at me but okay so echidna wins the fight round uh now we go to the dateability round now I have a very compelling argument. You're not going to like this, but I have a very compelling argument as to why the Minotaur is hotter. First of all, very nice abs body in general. That's true. Anthropomorphic. Second of all- She's got the anthropomorphic thing going on too, though. Yeah, you got me there. Keep going. Um, Second of all, now, I don't go here, but I spend a large portion of my time on the internet. Everyone and their grandmothers is hot for that fucking anime boy from KNY with the boar head right now. Oh, I haven't actually seen it yet. But really, I haven't like, either. Um, that's a boar head, not a bull head. Different thing. Same si- Different similarity, things. though. Animal head... Human body. Also, I think... Same concept. I think they're horny for him because of the personality. I don't think it it holds weight here. I'm just saying it's the same general concept. Okay. Um, so as you know, I have 
a bias towards uh, ladies with snake features. I'm just going to come out and say it. I, real quick, you've got your computer in front of you. Uh, Can you do Mm -hmm. a Google image search of echidna? Am I going to like what I find? Uh, Just go ahead. Just do it. I'll cut out the extra time here if you searching. Don't worry about it. She's got, like, two legs, but both of them are snakes. Look at all of the images of her. <laughs> Just to kind of pull I'm... people's thoughts on a kid. Okay, so here's the thing. Some of these are pretty nice-looking ladies, and some of them are for sure not. Okay. But most of the ones that are closer to what, like, Echidna is look more like Naga than what Echidna should be. Correct, but it sure does uh, show that the general opinion of her is. Also, uh, yes, Minotaur is described as being very buff. Echidna is considered beautiful and nymph-like. That's part of her description. Her human half is beautiful. Also, another point, we're not just talking about hotness, we're talking about datability. And I would say that Echidna has really shown that she can be devoted to one person for a really long time, even if he is chained up in the underworld for an eternity. Okay, They're still married. Talking about <laughs> datability, uh, she doesn't ever want to leave her cave, and that's not out of- I don't ever want to leave my of- cave, either. Are you saying yeah, I, I'm like, not dateable? <laughs> it's fine to have a homebody, but you've left your house before. You have gone outside. Echidna has not. I mean, don't judge her. I'm <laughs> not. I'm argument. just saying it's really hard to date someone when you constantly have to go to their house and also they never leave it. Now, you could make that argument for the Minotaur that he's in the labyrinth, yeah, but that wasn't that- his choice. He's just too dumb to find a way out. Okay. And we love a himbo. That's the best argument you have made yet. (laughs) Alright, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. Um, I still maintain that I think Echidna is hotter. But, if we're going for overall dateability, uh, the himbo claim has won me over. Nice. Uh, And so... Once again, we are at an impasse. I feel like we're going to be here a lot. Yeah, I think we're going to be here most episodes, uh, just because whoever wins the first one feels bad and kind of lets the other one win the second one. Um, More or less. (laughs) Why can't we make decisions? Yeah. We don't handle conflict well. It makes us... No. It makes us anxious. But, um, who's hot, who's not... Echidna would win in a fight. We're saying Minotaur is the more dateable one. Also, I will say Echidna is already married. And, like I said, she's pretty loyal. Well, no, she's not. She hooked up with her kid. That's another point against her. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. Um, So, we're at a tie. Uh, So, that means it comes down to you guys. You can either um, leave a comment over on Podbean you're listening on spotify or anywhere else or if you're listening on podbean uh you can go on over to twitter where we are at methods one uh and we will have a poll up that'll be up for the next week 
No, it'll be up for the next 24 hours, because that's really the only time till we record, really. So, you'll have 24 hours after this episode goes up to vote on which monster you think is better, and we'll let you guys know. Um, I'm looking at the result from last week, and I can say with 100% certainty that none of our friends in the friend group came over and voted... Because Mothman is winning with 100% of the votes. Uh, I think even on your own personal Twitter, it was split 50-50. With a little bit more towards Mothman. Our, yeah. Yeah. Which so, is honestly fair. I'm not even mad. Because I also voted for Mothman <laughs> and I brought the Loch Monster. <laughs> Catherine's going to be so mad at you. Um, yeah, I said so, what I said. With that, I'm happy to announce that Mothman won episode one. And that's all we've got for you guys this week. Uh, like I said, go ahead, go follow us over on Twitter. Leave a comment. Uh, we'd love for you guys to subscribe. Um, my sources for my info this week uh, were mostly based from Wikipedia and the Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, because I can't actually read Greek, and my <laughs> sister wasn't here to read it for me. Uh what were your sources? So I took hymns and epigrams from uh, Callimachus. I took from uh, Apollodorus. I did use the translated one. Um, I unfortunately did not have access to the original Greek of that portion of the Apollodorus. Uh, Theoi.com. And then the sources I got from Wikipedia were a dictionary of classical mythology and a handbook of Greek mythology. Okay. Uh, so, as always, the music is, was made by my wonderful husband, Eddie. And we will see you guys next week. Bye! Bye!